Jesus, we wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. Our God, you reign for Your children remember your promise so oh. 
Great is your love and justice, God of Jacob. You use the weak to lead the strong. You lead us in the song of your salvation. And all your people sing along. So remember your people. Remember your children. Remember your promise, O oh God. Your grace is enough. Your grace is enough. Great to see you. Great to have everybody here. Thank you for those of us who are those of you who are watching from somewhere else, and uh, we're glad that you joined us and you're with us today. Just uh, just want to share one announcement with you this morning. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had the privilege of having Esther Massey share with us on Open Hands Global Ministry in Pakistan, uh, ministering to children there. And I just want you to know that as a follow-up to that, next Saturday. Uh, there will be a garage sale outside, socially distanced, to allow opportunity for them to raise some funds for the children. So I'm telling you that for two reasons. Number one, so Saturday, October 2nd, from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m., so it's a, it's a long one. And uh, you just encourage you to drop by, and, and if you, if you want to pick something up, but also, if you want to donate some things, now I don't know about you, but we spent some time during COVID just sort of cleaning things out, and uh, there's a lot of stuff went out of our house already, but you may have some things that you want to donate, and if you do, bring them on Saturday. Which day did I say? Right, Saturday. On the actual day of the sale, you can come by anytime around 9 a.m., 
And up until noon, if you're going to bring stuff, don't wait till afternoon because too much of the day is gone at that point. But if you have things that you'd like to donate, drop by on the Saturday morning. And, uh, you know, it's going to be one of those days where you drop off two boxes, you buy three boxes, and then you go home, right? That's how these things sometimes go. So uh, just a reminder of do that. So October 2nd, 9 till 6 is the sale. 9 to 12, you can drop things off uh, if, you, uh, if you wish to make a donation. Kids, if you are in JK right up to grade five, if you would just quietly, uh, without causing injury to yourself or others, make your way around the perimeter of the sanctuary and uh, head out and with your leaders and parents at the end of the service, you can pick them up at this door to my right, uh, your left at the end of the service today. Thank you. God bless you. Tyler, I'll hand it back to you. you to stand as we continue to worship and if you're not able to that's fine stay seated walking around these walls I thought by now they'd fall but you have never failed me Waiting for change to come Knowing the battle's won For you have never failed me Your promise still stands Great is your faithfulness Faithfulness is my confidence you never failed me yet I know the night won't last your word will come to My heart will sing your praise again Jesus, you're still enough Keep me within your love My heart will sing your praise again promise still stands great is your faithfulness faithfulness i'm still in your hands this is my confidence you never fail your promise still stands great is your faithfulness faithfulness still in your hands this is my confidence you never fail. 
failed me yet
When you don't move the mountains, I'm needing you to move. When you don't part the waters, I wish I could walk through. When you don't give the answers as I cry out to you, I will trust, I will trust, I will trust in you. I will trust in you. Sing, letting go of every single dream. Letting go of every single dream. I lay each one down at your feet. Every moment of my wandering never changes what you see. Tried to win this war, I confess. My hands are weary, I need your rest. Mighty warrior, king of the fight. No matter what I face, you're by my side. When you don't move the mountains, I'm needing you to move. When you don't part the waters, I wish I could walk through. When you don't give the answers as I cry out to you, I will trust, I will trust, I will trust in you. I will trust in you. But the truth is, the truth is you know what tomorrow brings there's not a day ahead you have not seen so when all things be my life and bread i want what you want lord and nothing less truth is you know what tomorrow brings a day ahead you have not seen so in all things be my life and breath I want what you want Lord and nothing less when you don't move the mountains I'm needing you to move when you don't part the waters I wish I could walk through when you don't give the answers as I cry out to you, I will trust, I will trust, I will trust in you. When you don't move the mountains, I'm needing you to move. When you don't part the waters, I wish I could walk through. When you don't give the answers, as I cry out to you, I will trust, I will trust, I will trust in you. I will trust in you. You are my strength. You are my strength and comfort. You are my steady hand. You are my firm foundation, the rock on which I stand. Your ways are always higher. Your plans are always good. There's not a place where I'll go. I'm needing you to move 
When you don't part the waters, I wish I could walk through. When you don't give the answers as I cry out to you, I will trust, I will trust, I will trust in you. When you don't move the mountains, I'm needing you to move. When you don't part the waters, I wish I could walk through. When you don't give the answers as I cry out to you, I will trust, I will trust, I will trust in you. I will trust in you, Jesus, I will trust in you. I will trust in you. I will trust in you. Yes, Lord Jesus, please help us to trust in you. It's easy to trust in you in the good times when everything's going the way we want it to. Lord God, it can be so difficult when there are things that are happening that we just, we don't understand. And, and, th- and times are hard. So Lord God, please help us to trust in you, to hope in you, to look to you, Lord God. You are our strength and our comfort. Help us to fix our eyes on you, pray this in your name. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning is found in Acts chapter 16, and we're going to read verses 22 to 30. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And at once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do? To be saved. You may be seated. About 15 years ago, we decided, Jennifer and I, to do a few renovations and updates in our house. Now, according to Jennifer, people do them more frequently than that, and, and so 15 years ago to her seems like a long time, but for me, it was just yesterday. Uh, we brought people in for the few parts that we couldn't do ourselves, and most of it we were able to do uh, with my brother's help. Now, one of the jobs we did ourselves was to retile the ensuite bathroom 
off of our bedroom, and we completed everything. was was done well, and it was all completed. And all that let was left was a small, narrow piece of wood transition that would tie the bedroom floor into the bathroom floor. Now, Jennifer consistently inquired as to when I planned to put that one last piece of the transition in place. And finally, after what I think was about eight years later, I finished it. And it took me about 20 minutes to complete. I can't explain to you why, but I just wasn't motivated to promptly finish the project. Actually, if you know me, you know that procrastination in completing a project is completely uncharacteristic of me at any, on any level. I mean, I'm usually prompt and focused, and I finish what I start, and I do it in good time, and my goal is to always do it under budget. But for some reason, I didn't feel motivate, motivated to, to complete this transition. Now, I have observed that most of us struggle with transitions. Most of us do not find joy in transitions, and I'm not referring to the little piece of transitional material that ties two floors together. That's not the transition I'm talking about. Transitions are the space between something ending and something new beginning. Transitions are the space between where you have been and where you're going. Transitions can be confusing. Transitions can be difficult. They can be painful. They can be uncomfortable. Transitional times are when we find ourselves asking the question which we've entitled this series, now what? In, an, in transitional times, we ask often, now what? Now, throughout this series, I have said that in every challenge we face, there's a choice we must make. And in the first week when we kicked it off, we asked the question, are we going to pray or are we going to panic? Last week in our second sermon, we asked the question, are we going to finish or are we going to fade? Today, we're going to focus on the transitional seasons of our lives and when we find ourselves between where we've been and where we're going, between God making a promise to us and God fulfilling that promise to us. So the question that we're going to ask ourselves today is this. When we find ourselves in, in transition, are we going to sing or are we going to sulk? Are we going to sing or are we going to sulk? Are we going to focus on God and find joy in the midst of our circumstances? Or are we going to focus on our circumstances and become overwhelmed with despair? And so today we will see that during difficult seasons of transition, choosing to focus on the goodness and faithfulness of God instead of our circumstances creates an opportunity for God to demonstrate his power and his provision in our lives. Now, in our scripture today, 
Paul and Silas find themselves in a prison. They are suspended between what was and what is yet to come, and their choice to worship God despite their circumstances results in a glorious demonstration of God's power and provision in their lives. So let's take a look at our scripture today. The first thing we'll consider is what I will call the encounter. Paul and his team are ministering in the city of Philippi. And as we read previous to this, a businesswoman named Lydia and her household had become followers of Jesus as a result of the ministry of Paul and his team. And they have invited Paul and the team to stay in her uh, dwelling while they're in Philippi. And so on one particular day, Paul and the team were headed to the place of prayer when a young slave girl followed them, shouting out behind them, these men are the servants of the Most High God, and they are telling you the way to be saved. Completely accurate information. But she is yelling it insistently as they're walking along. Now, we're told that this had been going on for a period of a few days, and Paul reached a point where he finally had enough. I'm so glad there are people in Scripture who reach the point where they finally had enough because it sort of consoles me a little bit because I tend to get there sometimes myself. And so they reach the point where they finally had enough and they address the situation. Now, the slave girl, we're told, had multiple owners and she was demon-possessed. Now, what's interesting in this scenario is that this spirit within her enabled her to tell the future. She was a fortune teller. And so the word Luke actually uses here to describe her is false prophet. That's who she is. Now, slaves could be rented out to, to other people, and so most likely they would rent her out so she could tell these people who rented her out what their futures would be, what, what the future held for them. And so the spirit within her exposed the mission of Paul and his team. And as we read this, we are reminded of Jesus' ministry because this is very similar to what happened on occasion in Jesus' ministry. Jesus desired on many occasions to withhold his identity for a period of time for the sake of his mission. But demons would, would often, you know, tell the crowds who Jesus was. And so what we see is, is a very similar thing happening here to Paul and his team. Her proclamation, though it is true what she's saying, is potentially creating danger for Paul and his team and hindering the mission. And so Paul spoke to the Spirit. No, interestingly to note, he didn't speak to the girl. He spoke to the Spirit who had possessed the girl, and he said, in the name of Jesus come out. And at that moment, we're told, the spirit came out and the slave girl was free from the demonic possession. And they all lived happily ever after, right? No, that's not what happened. Secondly, the accused. With the demonic spirit gone from the girl, any hope of making money off of this young slave was also gone. And so, ironically, she's free, 
And Paul and Silas now are about to be imprisoned. The slave owners seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace, the city center, to face the authorities. To accuse them of exorcism would likely not result in any penalty because that wasn't breaking any laws. So what they did was they brought false charges against them and said, these men oppose our local customs. They're trying to present them as anti-Roman Jews. Now, there are two very serious accusations that often resulted in punishment in the Roman Empire. One was disturbing the peace, and the second was anti-Roman customs. And so in the Roman Empire, accusers, those who were making the accusation, were valued higher than those being accused. And so opposite to our legal system, you were guilty until you were proven innocent. It was assumed that you were guilty until you were proven innocent. A Roman citizen bringing an accusation carried considerable weight, specifically if the accusation was against a non-Roman. And at this time, no one was aware that Paul and Silas were actually Roman citizens. And so we're told that the slave owners had not only brought them and made this accusation, but they actually incited the crowd, and they were this crowd was joining with the accusers, calling for the punishment of Paul and Silas. Now, Paul, Roman punishment often began with public shaming, and the standard practice was to strip the person naked and then to, to flog them, to beat them with rods severely. And then once that was done, they would throw them into the prison. And after they were there for a period of time, unless their crime was something that was punishable by death, they eventually would be released. And so we're told that Paul and Silas were stripped and they were severely beaten. And then they were thrown into this filthy, dark prison. The jailer was told to watch these two carefully because they were important prisoners. And so the jailer, not wanting to take any risk of escape, placed them in the inner cell and locked them in, their, in stocks. And so we have them being accused. The final piece we see is the response. Paul and Silas were in the innermost part of the prison. They're completely engulfed in darkness. They are wounded, and they are locked up in stocks and in chains. It's not a very comfortable night. It's about midnight, we're told, and Paul and Silas were awake, likely very difficult to sleep with the pain and the discomfort of their wounds and, and, and how they're being bound, so they couldn't sleep. And in that moment in the inner prison, at around midnight, they're faced with a decision. They're faced with the decision of how are they going to focus on their adversity? Are they going to focus on their pain? Are they going to focus on how they've been mistreated? Are they going to focus on their circumstances? Or are they going to lift their eyes beyond their circumstances to the one who could give them joy despite their circumstances? In essence, the question and the, the challenge that they are faced with is this. Are they going to sing or are they going to sulk? And so instead of focusing on their circumstances, they began to sing. Now, if you read the Old Testament, you will read references to something that was very common in, in Hebrew culture known as songs in the night. Songs in the night is an expression 
signified that, you know, that, that signified joy despite circumstances. The choice to focus on the goodness and faithfulness of God instead of focusing on one's circumstances. Joy in the night focused around that whole idea. And so Paul and Silas respond to their suffering with worship. They're declaring who God was. And if you, if you read Psalms and songs and hymns in scriptural times, those songs are direct declarations of who God is and what God has done and, and, and who God is for the person who's singing it. And so, uh, you know, for the most part, ours are too, but sometimes they're about different things, and sometimes I don't even know what they're about, to be honest, but, but that, that's what these hymns were about. They're declaring who God was. They're declaring who God was in them and for them and what God could do and what God would do and that their circumstances did not define who God was. And so these hymns would focus around those themes. And so during their, their worship, there's, there's an earthquake that shook the prison. And the doors flew open, we're told, and the chains fell off. And, but there's no, and it, not just for Paul and Cyrus, Silas, but all the doors open and all the chains fell off. And there, but there's no injuries here to any of the prisoners, and there's no damage done to the prison. So clearly, this is a God moment. All of them were free from their chains. It's interesting to see this. All of them. And you've got to understand, there were people in there with Paul and Silas who had done some despicable things, who, who were, were evil individuals, and their chains fell off too. And all of them are in there, and they're free from their chains, and the doors that restrain them are wide open, yet they all stayed where they were. It was likely that the jailer's house was attached to the prison. That was common in those days. And so the earthquake would have woken him up, and he rushed in to investigate. Seeing the prison doors wide open, he assumed in the darkness that all the prisoners were gone. Of course, if the doors were open, why would they be hanging around? And, and he knew that, that his fate was sealed, that he would be killed for allowing this to happen. And so we're told that he drew his sword to take his life rather than to face the public humiliation and the brutality of death that was waiting for him. But Paul immediately intervened. And Paul said, don't harm yourself. Don't do that. Put your sword away. We're all here. We're all here. And so, you know, he called for, for light, for torches. He rushed in. And sure enough, he saw that everyone was there. And when he saw that, he fell to the ground trembling. He knew that this was only possible because of a miracle of God. He knew why Paul and Silas were there. He knew what they were accused of. He knew where they, what, why they were in Philippi. He knew who they were. And he knew that this was connected to them. They were there because this servant girl was, was saying that, that they were telling people how to be saved. He knew the story. And it's interesting, the jailer looked at Paul and Silas and said, what must I do to be saved? That's what you're here to tell people. That's what you're here to declare. And I'm seeing this miracle and I'm asking you, what can I do to be saved? You see, Paul and Silas were not the way to salvation, but they could point him to the one who was. And so they responded and said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. And it says that they explained the word of God to him. 
And then the jailer took them into his home and cleaned their wounds and gave them a meal to eat. We're told that the jailer was filled with joy, that he and his family believed, and in fact, they were even baptized. Paul and Silas' choice to worship, to express joy in their circumstances, their joy resulted in the, the, sailor, the jailer sorry, and his family finding joy. Their joy was contagious. And so Paul and Silas went back into the prison and were told that in the morning the authorities sent the word that Paul and Silas had been punished enough and they were to be released. They were free to go. Now, as I look at this scripture this morning, there are three very brief observations that I'd like to draw that I believe apply to us. The first is adversity, and I can't help but see this so blatantly as I read this scripture. Paul and Silas are followers of Jesus, and they were called by God for the specific purpose of advancing the mission of Jesus to the ends of the earth. Paul and Silas were obedient to the call of God. And they were making whatever sacrifices were necessary, necessary to ensure that the mission of Jesus was moving forward. They were in it. They were committed to it. They were in Philippi for one reason. One reason and one reason only. Because God had told them in a vision just a short while ago that they were to go there and they got up and talked about it, and chose to do what God had asked them to do. They obeyed God, and they went to Philippi as requested. They ended up in this predicament because they confronted the powers of darkness with the authority of Jesus' name. Paul and Silas were good people. Paul and Silas were spiritual people, but that didn't keep them from experiencing painful circumstances. They were falsely accused. They were misunderstood. They were judged unfairly, even though they were faithful servants of God. Now, many of us today can, I, can confidently say that, like, we're doing our best. We're doing our best to live as Jesus called us to live, and some of us are figuring out what that looks like as we go along, but we're doing the best we can. We're, we're learning, and we're, we're growing, and we're obedient to the call of Jesus to carry out his mission and to do what is required of one who is a follower of Jesus. But like Paul and Silas, we find ourselves in circumstances, we find ourselves facing adversity that we didn't expect and, and likely we didn't deserve. We didn't deserve. And we're sometimes falsely accused. We're sometimes misunderstood. We're sometimes judged unfairly. Sometimes we have realities in our lives and in our families that are painful and unbearable and heart breaking. And we might wonder why. Why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to my family? When we put our trust in God, we didn't expect this to be our reality. And we touched on that a bit last week as well. But we've been reminded today of something that's really, really important. That followers of Jesus if experience the effects of living in a broken, sinful world just like everybody else. 
bad things will happen to good people. Bad things will happen to spiritual people. It's, it's the reality, and we see this in our Scripture today. Adversity. Secondly, joy. Despite adversity, it is possible to experience the miracle of joy in the night. When it's dark, we're, when we're experiencing the pain of difficult circumstances, when we're immersed in confusion and in disappointment, we can know joy because we have Jesus in our lives. Now, Paul and Silas demonstrated for us that it was possible to have joy in the midst of adversity. But experiencing joy is dependent on our choices. Are we going to sing or are we going to sulk? Are we going to sing or are we going to sulk? Are we going to focus on the negativity or are we going to, are we going to focus on the apparent hopelessness of our situation? Or are we going to choose to focus on God's faithfulness, to choose to focus on God's trustworthiness, to choose to focus on God's promises and God's presence with us. It's a choice to do that. And sometimes it's a difficult choice to make. Our choice to worship in our suffering, our choice to trust the faithfulness of God when things are painful, will not only impact our individual lives, but as we see in our scripture today, it will impact those who are watching our lives, who are listening to our lives, who are interacting with our lives. See, joy is contagious. It's contagious. What people in our world need, especially with the way our world is today, what people in our world need to experience is our joy the joy in our lives that comes from God. The world doesn't need our criticism. The world doesn't need our judgment or our condemnation or our confrontation or our negativity or our expression of hopelessness. What this world needs is to see joy in those who claim to be followers of Jesus, even though we're in the same mess as everybody else. Now, we can experience the miracle of joy in the night for one reason and one reason only, and that is our relationship with Jesus. The enemy can rob your health, but he can't rob your joy unless you let him. The enemy can rob your relationships, but he can't rob your joy unless you let him. He can rob your family rob your dream, your job, your plans. But he can only rob your joy when you let him. Joy comes from the choice of focusing on our relationship with Jesus, even though the world around us is in darkness and despair. Scripture tells us that the joy of the Lord is our strength, that he gives joy in the night. And so the question is, are you going to sing or are you going to sulk? Joy. And finally, freedom. 
God's intention for Paul and Silas was bigger than simply delivering them from their circumstances, than getting them out of prison. In fact, if that was God's plan, Paul and Silas, I believe, would have been led out of prison by a heavenly messenger, just like Peter was earlier in the book of Acts. If God's plan was to get them out, which was which, what it was with Peter, then he would have sent the messenger and out they would have gone. But there is no heavenly messenger in this story to lead them out because, and there's a reason. The reason there's no heavenly messenger to lead them out is because God's priority in this situation was, was not getting them out at this moment. That wasn't the plan. It wasn't about that. The enemy desired to hurt and punish Paul and Silas and to shut down their ministry. But God's intention was to take what the enemy was doing here and to use them and these circumstances and their adversity for his purposes. Now, often, if we're to be honest, our first priority when we face adversity and painful circumstances is we want to be delivered out. We want to be delivered out. And that makes sense, doesn't it? But may I suggest today that perhaps God's number one priority is not to get you out of your circumstances right away. Maybe that's not God's number one priority for you. But rather, maybe God's number one priority for you is to use you and your circumstances and your life to accomplish your purposes, his purposes, while you're there in those transitional moments. That God uses the transitional seasons in our lives to accomplish things that he desires to accomplish. You know, I always find it really interesting when evangelical Christians talk about the time between the Old Testament and the New. <laughs> we call it the silent 400 silent years. If you had any understanding of church history at all, you would understand that there was so much going on in that 400 years of transition. Maybe there wasn't prophecies as we saw them in the old and then show up again in the new, but God was working and you could see it in incredible ways in those transitional moments. And we sometimes as evangelicals, we see those years between intertestamental history as, as wasted years of no value, of, but no, not at all. Incredible things were happening. God often accomplishes more in us and through us when we're facing adversity than he does in getting us out right away. There's so much important stuff happening in the transitional seasons. And it's important that we understand that circumstances do not have to change. Hear me. Circumstances do not have to change in order to experience freedom and joy from our adversity and our suffering. That God's greatest work through us and in us happens most often in these transitional seasons of great adversity. Paul and Silas were in prison, but they were free in prison. They were in the structure, but they were free, and they were free because God was with them. They were free because God was working through them, and God was working for them, and God was accomplishing his purposes even though they were in prison. We may be embroiled in painful adversity, but we're free 
we are free in the midst of it because God is with us just like he was with them. God is working in us just like he was working in them and working through us and working for us just like he was with them and accomplishing his purposes just like he did then and he can give us joy just like he gave to them then. We can have freedom even though everything in our lives suggests otherwise. I'm going to invite the worship team back. We will all experience difficult transitional seasons where we find ourselves between where we have been and where it is we're going. Between something ending and something new beginning. Between God making a promise and God fulfilling a promise. And so when we find ourselves in, in transition, I want to ask us today, are we going to sing or are we going to sulk? What are we going to do in those transitional moments? Are we going to focus on God despite what's happening and find joy in the midst of our circumstances? Or are we going to get so overwhelmed with the reality of our circumstances that all we know is despair and hopelessness and sorrow? during difficult seasons of transition, choosing to focus on the goodness and faithfulness of God instead of our circumstances creates an opportunity for God to demonstrate his power and provision in our lives. But it takes a choice. It takes a choice. And the thing about choices is Sometimes we're affected by other people's choices, but this is our choice. No one can make it for us. We must make it ourselves. So are you going to sing or are you going to sulk? Would you stand with me? As Tyler leads us, I would encourage you to sing and to look to the Lord and find hope in him. Deep inside my heart, I know you've won. I know you've overcome. And even in the dark, when I am undone, I still believe it. I live by faith. And not by sight, sometimes miracles take time. While I wait, I will worship, Lord, I worship your name. While I wait, I will trust you. Lord, I'll trust you all the same. When I fall apart, you are my strength. 
Help me not forget Seeing every scar You make me whole You're my healer I live by faith And not by sight Sometimes miracles take time While I wait, I will worship, Lord, I worship your name. While I wait, I will trust you, Lord, I'll trust you all the same. Your faithfulness. Your promises remain You're faithful every day Your promises remain oh. You're faithful every day Your promises remain words that we've been singing. Powerful words. You know, in the last few weeks, my focus has been just trying to be an encouragement because I've come to the realization and been reminded of the realization of how difficult and impacting the realities of life are on many people right now. That many who even were people of faith, whose faith was based on a, a methodology of church, and all of a sudden that just gets knocked out from under them, and, and they don't even know how to live out faith anymore without the normal systems that were in place. And there are just so many people who are, are hurting and broken and, and confused, and it's just, it's difficult. And, and my number one goal, I believe, throughout this whole pandemic has been as, as to be the shepherd who takes care of you and, and our congregation and to 
to minister that's that and to keep you safe and 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 to help you keep you pointed in the right direction and so you know again today that's that's what we're trying to accomplish i get it i know it's 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 hard it's difficult it is difficult choices are difficult life is hard but i really believe we're going to make it because God promises we are. And, and my job is to keep pushing you and, and, and making you feel uncomfortable at times and even just reminding you of, of important things that we know, but sometimes we just push aside.